Hello and welcome to the Music Survival Guide, the independent musician's guide for how to survive in the music industry. My name's Phil, a mixing and mastering engineer. Well, hello to you out there in podcast land. I hope you're doing well. Um, yeah, it's in a way in it's November. Yeah, of course, I know what month it is. I know what's going on. Uh, I was going to say it's getting cold, but in, at least in the UK, it's, it's sort of not. It's staying warm. I guess that's global warming, but there we are. Anyway, it's not really what I'm here to talk about. Um, this week on the podcast, I'm talking with Dan, and Dan works out of a studio called Joplin House, which is in Kent, and it's a great, great studio. I really want to visit it, especially after talking with Dan. Um, Dan talks about all sorts of things in this podcast, like what a producer does, really important question, the value of pre-production, and my, why you might be underestimating how important it could be, and of course, the tale of the naked metal vocalist in the studio with a lighter obviously because you know that's the way it goes um i'm not gonna witter on any longer i'm just gonna say on with the interview so today on the podcast i am joined by dan lucas of the joplin house dan how are you i'm very well thank you yes uh enjoying actually doing something studio related that isn't uh, a recording session <laughs> although we are recording so well i suppose it's yeah. not a well, form of recording it's, it's me being recorded now which is that's very nice true change. that's very true so um as always uh, my first question is from an online random question generator so it's something really serious um which is in this case the question is what do you know how to do that's useless what do i know how to do that's useless generally if i if i've learned how to do something there's a reason for it um yeah that's a tough one i the thing is i don't really have any party tricks that like, i'm quite a boring <laughs> i'm quite bo- like i can't do anything fancy with my face i don't know how to yeah like i don't have anything um that i've you know not had to learn for a reason so i really wouldn't know how to answer that to be honest maybe something will c- crop up later or you know, I'm sure my girlfriend can think of something. But, um, <laughs> are you not? Are you a holder of useless information? I, I, that's what I'm I mean. I, yeah, I, I definitely know a lot of stuff about things that um, most people wouldn't be interested in. I just like, but I like, I like looking stuff up. If I watch a film, I'm straight on Wikipedia, looking up who the actors are and where it was filmed, and you know, all of that kind of stuff. Um, I know an awful lot about murder locations and horror movie locations and stuff like that. Um, you know, I guess that's pretty useless, really. But <laughs> <laughs> depends depends what you want to do with the information, I guess. <laughs> so, I guess my my first uh, more more serious question is: How did you get into music in the first place? Um, I started playing piano when I was five. Um, I think my mum and dad just bought me this little white, it was a little plastic white Bon Tempe organ from Argos. Um, just, I'd never asked for one, I don't think. They just, just bought it and I really enjoyed playing it. So they got me piano lessons. And then I, I didn't really like my piano teacher. She was quite strict and would sort of like smack my knuckles if I made a mistake. And so it like, wasn't very enjoyable. And But I, I did enjoy playing music. So I then decided to start learning guitar, uh, probably when I was about eight. 
um but that wasn't quite as i'd envisioned it like it was um this old woman sort of teaching there was about 10 of us sitting in a semicircle playing hymns uh and strumming with our thumbs um and i guess by about nine or ten i discovered aerosmith and guns and roses and I kind of thought there must be more to guitar playing than this. And so then I started having proper guitar lessons. And then, you know, I just picked up other stuff as I went. But my mum and dad, they're not musicians, but they were huge music fans and always listening to The Cure or Pink Floyd or The Beach Boys or The Smiths or something like that. So I kind of got introduced to some great music at a very young age and uh, kind of never really wanted to do anything else and um and then i was quite fortunate that my senior school um we had a really great music department and they were really encouraging and um you know a few of us put a band together when we were 11 or 12 and it just sort of developed from there really like, i'm not much good at anything else other than uh as i say finding out murder locations <laughs> <laughs> there's a job in that as well if you ever need it i'm sure well yeah yeah <laughs> so you you set out you know you you know um a bit of piano you know uh guitar and things like that so how did you make the leap from being um a musician into being a producer well i was always in and out of studios as a musician um, and actually, the first studio I ever recorded in on my 14th birthday was this studio. Um, but back then, I mean, this was in 1996. Um, so back then, there were two studios pretty much in the area, this one and another one, um, both analog recording to two inch tape but this was a 24 track studio and the other one was a 16 track studio so this was like the better one and my band booked it on my 14th birthday and i walked in through the control room door same same door that's still there and saw this massive great mixing desk and you know it smelled of like old gear and cigarette smoke and all of that kind of stuff and i was like wow this is what i've been seeing on my i used to love that documentary a year and a half in the life of metallica where they're they're making the black album which is that is a great documentary if you really want to see the role that a producer plays um so i i used to watch that religiously and then i'd i'd come into this studio and thought wow this is just like it is on there and, and kind of fell in love with it but over the years i did a lot of touring sort of from from quite a young age um in sort of metal and hardcore bands so we were in and out of a lot of different studios but never really getting the results that you know it nothing ever sounded like a record like it always sounded like a demo and at that age you'd sort of think oh you know it's it's because i didn't do it at abbey road or something and but i would always kind of know what was wrong with it it could be that just you know the guitars weren't loud enough or the drums just sounded trashy so i started to experiment at home i just I think I got a cracked copy of Cubase. Um, I also had a little Tascam sort of Porter studio and I would take that to my band practices and mic everyone up 
with whatever mics were lying around um and then they would go into the pa desk and then i'd come out on a left and right channel into my two channels on my see so you'd kind of have to mix it before it was recorded but i you know listening back to those i was like these actually have more energy than some of these proper studios we've been into um and yeah, so I, I just bought some bits and pieces, bought a little digital converter and a, eventually then a, a sort of USB interface. Did I, I'm trying to think what my first... No, it was an RME sound card. I think it was called a Hammerfall something or other. And it had a load of ADAT ins and outs. And then I bought a little Fostex VC8 eight in eight out digital converter that plugged into it and then i had a little spirit mixing desk which it oh, didn't have classic. yeah spirit <laughs> folio and but it didn't have direct out so you had to use the inserts um but i think that was my first recording setup but i was quite fortunate that the band i was in at the time the other guitar player his mum basically owned this mansion and she had a rehearsal studio built on the side of it and then had a separate room um which was it was literally a, a an exact cube like the worst shape ever and it was just bare plasterboard but i put my recording stuff in there and sort of smashed a hole in the wall with a hammer so that i could put a loom through um and I used to record our rehearsals and I lived in that house as well. So I could go down when other bands were rehearsing and record their rehearsals and just, I kind of learned the hard way. And I mean, this is, this is like about 18 years ago. So YouTube wasn't a thing then really. I think or it just, so you couldn't really learn from that. Like, you still had to learn from just experimenting or reading books um so yeah i just used to mostly record metal and hardcore and punk bands um but you know it's good i think starting out with next to nothing is a, it's a really good way of learning because you make the most out of what you've got and you learn how to make things work. You're not pampered with, you know, 251 mics or U87s or what have you. Like, you you know, you've got to start with nothing and get the best out of it. And, uh, yeah, but, sorry, it was quite a long-winded answer, but, but it's just through, through being a musician and touring and in and out of studios and not being happy with the results I was getting it's um it's interesting you say that about um learning with basic equipment and sort of learning to make the most of not a lot do you think it's it in a way it was better for you to have learned with that kind of setup rather than say if you started today and you got a little audio interface and a door that can do so much um within it oh definitely because you're 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 training your ears like the whole time you're having to make things sound good in sort of less than desirable circumstances you know that that stuff goes a long way so when you do end up in a great sounding room with nice mics and nice preamps and good players and all of that kind of stuff you know it's a hell of a lot easier and 
and you know it also like i i mix stuff that i haven't necessarily recorded and uh, as as you do and you know sometimes as i'm sure you know you're you're sent things that are an absolute mess and all of that training comes in handy then because you can sort it out whereas somebody without that experience might not might just go i I don't even know where to start with this yeah so here's the um the million dollar question maybe million pound question because we're in britain what does a producer do and i'm aware that's a massive question to ask yeah um i think a producer really sees the potential in a song and and helps the band to unlock it and you know I, I think when you're inside something like as a musician that wrote it sometimes you can get a bit snow blind and get to a point where you're like well you know we think the song is done and um, and it's handy to have an outside perspective as someone that's, that's heard it fresh and that has experience um you know perhaps in your genre of music that can say well actually you know oh because the thing is you're as a musician you'll never hear that song fresh for the first time so you know a lot of people they get further down the line into writing something and then what they initially loved they're then like well, i don't even know if it's any good anymore so i think it helps just to have someone on the outside to give you a new perspective on it unlock the potential that perhaps the song has and um you know and showcase it in the right way like a, a really good example um would be someone like owen morris who when he was handed the multi-tracks of definitely maybe you know there were like 12 takes of the guitar solo and noel gallagher wanted all 12 solos playing together and owen morris being this he was just kind of a like a reckless like mad welshman was just like no i'm not doing that and just deleted them all i'm keeping one and he i mean obviously he wasn't producing like they'd already produced it with a friend of theirs he was just mixing and just kind of doing post-production but he stripped everything off of it and mixed it really really aggressively and created the oasis that everybody knows and loves and then obviously when they did what's the story he actually produced it as well and but they could that could have gone to somebody else that would have showcased those songs in a completely different way and polished them up and you know maybe it would have been as big as it ended up like maybe it wouldn't like you just don't know but you know i think it's up to the producer to take a song and showcase it in the best possible way and i think that's why bands have to be so careful about who they choose um to produce their music because somebody could take it in a direction that you're just not cool with or that is de detrimental to the music but yeah, it's it's just unlocking the potential, really. I think of a, of band songs and you know giving them other points to consider and an outside perspective. So, 
I guess a kind of nuanced follow-up question to that is what what is the difference to, to between a producer and a recording engineer? Because if you if say say you're in a band and you've got a studio nearby that you can that you can hire and it'll come maybe with an engineer. <laughs> For those who don't know, what's the difference between someone like that and then a producer? Well, I mean, I guess like if it's like this studio, for example, I am a recording engineer and a producer and a mixer sort of rolled into one. And I will also play those roles separately. You know, if like when my band did our album, I produced it, but we had someone else engineering it. Um, But a recording engineer generally deals with the more technical side of things you know setting mics up operating the tape machine or pro tools or whatever and maybe a bit of eqing thing i would say the recording engineer if there's a separate producer then the recording engineer um is is more kind of the person that is is doing the technical side of things and the producer is the person that's making more executive decisions on song structure dynamics the the tone of things you know it might be the engineer that's moving the mics around and stuff but it will likely be the producer saying oh, i i the guitar sounds too bright or can we swap that mic out for something else and then the engineer's the person that does it i mean they're very much a team but i think the lines often get blurred people think a recording engineer and a producer are the same thing um you know the, but the producer could be somebody in the band you know if, if a band comes in here i will usually say to them do you want me to produce this session in which case i will put more input in and i might make some executive decisions or certainly make more suggestions um but you might have someone in the band that's like no i've got a very specific idea of what i want and they're okaying everything and they're very much producing it they're the boss in that moment (laughs) i guess the um it's one of those classic things where those roles are sometimes and often actually nowadays mixed where producers are often recording engineers and recording engineers are often producers but then you have those kind of um people who only produce and it makes it very clear what a producer is so it's people like rick rubin is who i'm thinking of people are really hands-off with the kind of technical side of things but they've got that kind of vision overall for what it what it's like and what it will be like I mean, I think that's like I. I think I would prefer to just produce, and because then you can focus on one thing, and you don't have to worry about running back and forth and setting up headphone sends, and you know, getting channels working on the desk and all of that kind of stuff. You can just focus on the musical side of things, working with the musicians, and all of that kind of stuff. I, I definitely think it's more beneficial if there's a good in-house engineer or if like rick rubin you've got your own engineer that you use for everything you know dedicated engineer a dedicated producer and then perhaps it goes off to a mixer um that's the dream scenario really um and you know here it's varied sometimes bands will come in and they'll bring a producer and they just want me to engineer it um sometimes the producer might end up 
you know, not being quite what the band had thought they were, and I'll end up just sort of doing it anyway or you know it, it turns out it's just someone with a b-tech or something like that <laughs> and it's very delicately put <laughs> yeah well you know it's just like it's easy now it, in this day and age for people to say i'm a producer but you know they perhaps those people don't even know what a producer really does as i say like that that metallica documentary is a prime example randy Storb is the engineer bob rock is the producer you can see those roles very clearly they're a team they work really really well together but randy does all the kind of technical side of things you know bob rock might have an idea and randy's the one that has to make it happen um but you know he's very much focusing on the performance of the musicians and the song structure and all of that kind of stuff i would say it's probably a more musical role like uh, producer so so kind of more um it's often more of a a people role whereas the the recording engineer is more technical i guess that's another division yeah definitely so Imagine a, a crazy hypothetical situation. So a band walk into your recording studio having um, booked it and they say, we would like you to produce this session. Right. What does that mean? What, 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 does, what can a band expect a producer to do for them in that, in that context? Again, it varies from producer to producer. Um, but I, I would say generally to make sure that their songs are that the message of their songs is coming across in the best way so you know if it's a brutal hardcore band then you know you'd want the songs to be showcased in a way that um you know uh, gives a good example of the aggression and uh the power in that music if it's a power ballad you want the listener to feel emotional when they listen to it so i think they they can expect the producer to try and convey the message of their song in the best possible way so you know if i'm recording a noise band for example i will basically make everything sound as violent as i possibly can you know in by whatever means necessary and um, but if I were recording a jazz record, you know, I want people to like, you know, if I were recording a power violence band or something like that, you, you kind of want people to feel stressed when they're listening to it. And, you know, if you or even if you listen, like take Slipknot, for example, or something like if you listen to that, especially the first couple of records at a low volume, it, it sounds like hell on earth. And that's one thing that Ross Robinson was great. At doing as a producer but you know if you're listening to Coldplay you don't want it to sound like that so you, they would pick a producer that's going to convey the right kind of emotion for their music I think that's the thing I think the producer really is there to convey the, the emotion and the message of a band's song yeah I think a lot of bands who record at home and don't don't get me wrong for anyone listening at home there there are totally valid reasons for doing so but 
I think a lot of bands almost miss the idea that the emotion of the lyrics and the kind of um, style of the band really should feed into the music, not just the words of the song. You can make the whole thing push in the right direction, can't you, with the right um, ideas? Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's the the thing with production is that you know it goes back to what we were saying earlier about people confusing production with recording and production with mixing and and all of all of that kind of stuff like people don't realize how much the production plays a role in what they're hearing and um you know and how much the producer plays a role in that music that you're listening to like you know you you couldn't have like a metal band just come in and sling some mics up and hit record and yeah it would sound like a metal band playing but you know you need the producer there and like i say the producer could be somebody in the band but you need somebody there with a vision or or somebody there that is like a vessel to carry that vision you know on behalf of the band and make sure that the final product is what they envisioned in the first place someone someone who's doing something more than going yes that sounds like drums that we're recording right now yeah exactly you know as i say it just it just comes back to the message of the song really and conveying the emotion and whether that be via tones or song structure or the dynamics of the performance you know it's it's all of those things yeah so speaking about things like song structure how much um pre-production do you tend to go into with bands or is that sometimes you do sometimes you don't what's the situation there yeah just sometimes i will sometimes i won't like some bands aren't interested in that at all like they just want to come in and have a nicely recorded version of how they sound which i guess is kind of steve albini's approach isn't it like he will he doesn't get involved in any production stuff at all like he will just do a nice recording of the band sort of as they are some bands want that some bands if they're like we're really going to push this single we want to get major radio play then we'll do pre-production so normally under those circumstances i will get a band to come in i'll sling a load of mics up and i'll get them to play the song live you know two or three times based on my first impressions i'll make some suggestions so it could be anything from you know the chorus just isn't going anywhere to well the kick drum and the bass guitar are kind of clashing or you know the kick drums playing a syncopated bit and the bass player isn't or something like that um we'll discuss the track i'll make some suggestions they might have to go in and just play around a few sections and flesh out you know what we've talked about then we'll record another version of it have another listen um we'll usually do that a few weeks before the session so that you know by the end of the pre-production evening they'll leave with a new recording of the you know i'll have got them to play the song again after we've tweaked it and then they can go through that at rehearsals um 
but inevitably you know when we do the proper recording session there will still be bits and pieces but at least i've highlighted some stuff in advance and we've kind of worked on the big stuff you know well in advance of the actual session it's definitely worth doing yeah i think a lot of bands especially um smaller bands and unsigned bands don't that's that's not particularly something that they maybe have even considered like the, in, the, in a lot of people's minds the recording studio is supposed to go and record and in some way spend as little time as possible because it's not cheap but i guess it's it's a case that they haven't considered what the the benefits of those things of uh, pre-production is especially if it's one of those kind of singles where they go this is going to be like a a centerpiece as it were i think people don't realize what the you know where the production starts i think when people you know for a lot of uh inexperienced artists they think pre-production means pre the production that you're gonna do at the session what it actually means is you're doing production now this is pre-recording production and production starts at the writing stage you know that's that's where the production starts from before you've even thought about hitting record um you know the a, a band is when they're learning a song and then they're refining it at rehearsal that's that's pre-production as well you know so this is just pre-production with an outside set of ears um and so you know we've kind of by the time they come in on the first proper day of recording we've done production you know a few weeks ago uh, to a degree everyone everyone's ready to kind of go and get on get on with the actual recording as it were yeah it's production prior to the recording day um which is as i say that's where it like it comes at the writing stage on a kind of uh i guess stepping back a bit what what are the advantages of heading to a recording studio for recording as opposed to a home studio i know an obvious one would be in terms of drum sound you know it, it it certainly helps to record drums in a properly um treated room and you know ha having access to nice equipment but you know i think the main thing is the vibe and the social side of it like if you're at home there's distractions you know you might perhaps not take it as seriously um if you're going somewhere as a band and you're making a a thing out of it and you know you've bought all your snacks from tesco's and all of th that kind of stuff it makes it more of an experience it makes the artist more excited and it makes them feel inspired and you know certainly with this place you walk in and you see all this cool stuff that you can play with and um, you've got access to equipment as well that you might not have ever even seen before and there might be certain pieces of equipment that inspire you to write parts um you might be inspired by the surroundings um you know again that's why all of these things are important like when you're choosing a producer you've got to look at the artists they've worked with what their background is you know have they got experience as a musician themselves are they gonna make you sound like you don't want to sound and it's the same with choosing a studio like 
is it in the middle of a city centre? Is that your vibe? Like, do you prefer somewhere in, in the countryside? Have they got cool gear to play around with? Do you not care about that stuff? You know, do you like modern and flashy and high tech or old school and vintagey? Like, all of those things add up to, to whatever the final product is. Um, so, you know, but yeah, I think it's, it's, it's more about vibe and experience and being in the right mindset and feeling inspired than anything else. And then, of course, there's, yes, you've got nice rooms to record drums in, you know, electric guitars and stuff like that, bass, even vocals, keys. That doesn't really matter. Like you can record those anywhere. You can record a DI in your bedroom and send it to someone to reamp if you if you don't want to use an amp simulator or something. Um, but drums, I think, is the main thing. Um, or if you want access to a real piano or something like that. The um, I think the other benefit that a lot of people don't think about is well, a lot of people when they think about the studio, the first thing they think about is money. And obviously, at home, you can save money. That's that's kind of an obvious thing. But almost paradoxically, I think it's something that bands don't think about enough. When you're investing monetarily in your recording, I think it almost um, makes band members kind of focus and it's almost it's almost like a kind of like we're, we're in the studio this is great fun but we are we're here to work like we're not at home we're not at a place where we necessarily relax or the studios are often relaxing places we're, we're, we're here to, to make a, a song or several songs and that's 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 the point of it you'll get it done a lot quicker and also obviously with a studio you've got an engineer or a producer that's running the session that's saying right let's crack on with the next song let's do this and you know that i guess that's that goes back to the producer role again you've got someone that's managing the session and managing the time and you know making sure that we're working to within a certain time frame and getting things done if you're recording at home you don't really have that or you know you've got oh well i've got to go to work for a couple of hours then i'll pop back round but i'm going to pop to the supermarket on the way like if people have paid for studio time they've booked it off of work they they're going to be there all day they're readily available oh can we need you to redo that part now can you just jump in like yeah it's like you say it's just um it's a lot more productive so you're certainly saving on time and the end result will just be better and it's a nice memory to have as well like when you listen to a record just being like oh that you know that's a reminder of this really great time we had and you know or listening to a part and going oh that we ran that guitar through a leslie speaker cabinet and all of those things make it romantic and a, a magical experience for people I, t I totally agree like it's, it's the side of things that people i don't think think about enough the experience of, of being in the studio making a record should it's not just a case of going to a building and micing some stuff up like it's all of the other things that come along with that um you know when we when when salvation jane my band did our album and um, we went to rockfield um and the only reason we didn't do it here is because we rehearse here every single week it's down the road from where we live like 
we need whereas this place is a change of environment for any band that comes here we needed that for ourselves so we needed to go somewhere else but you know when when we talk about our memories of recording that album at rockfield it wasn't just you know oh, we used a pair of coals for the drum overheads it was more about you know holly's boyfriend getting everyone drunk every night or uh you know holly's meals that she was cooking everybody or playing on mario kart and you know all of that it was all of that kind of stuff um you know not even really the recording side of things it was just about the experience and being in an inspiring environment so what what would you say is your your best piece of advice for a band who are um aiming to go to the studio to do some recording really wide open question <laughs> yeah i mean i guess it's the obvious you know make sure that your songs are rehearsed make sure that you've refined them as much as you possibly can um and i i would say just pick a producer and or a studio that is right for you you know chat to the producer before you commit to booking go and visit the place if you can make sure it's somebody um that you're going to enjoy working with make sure it's somewhere that you're going to feel relaxed like honestly the amount of horror stories i hear from bands that come in and they're like oh we worked with this guy and there's there's one particular person that's worked with a few bands that have ended up coming here and they always have the same stories and it's you know the guy's thrown a hissy fit and said oh if you don't get this vocal take right i'm gonna go and sit outside and you know he'd go and storm outside the studio and s sit outside and say i'm not coming in until you can sing and he was he's just you know destroying people's confidence and you know i had one drummer that he actually gave up playing drums for two years um because this particular producer just absolutely annihilated his self-confidence and he was like i wish we'd never gone there and he can't listen to that recording anyway it's 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 ruined it for him so you know you've got to be so careful like you've really got to do your homework on who you're working with and um you know don't just book somewhere because they it's a nice looking studio like you know you've you've really i would just say do your research and pre-produce your songs as much as you possibly can before you come in and and come in perhaps with an open mind um you know it's funny sometimes like i had a band in a few months ago and they wanted a particular guitar sound and it's like oh we should we should use this orange amp i've got no i hate orange and i was like oh okay you know this guy's like 16 years old and <laughs> you're just i'm like oh you like this is a 1972 or120 it's like yes please the orange amp to have and the, the but the likelihood that a 16 year old kid has ever even been in the same room as one like is very slim and but the whole time you know you're just met with resistance and then eventually you know i plugged it in anyway and everyone else in the band was like oh my god it sounds amazing and we ended up using it but <clears throat> i think that the best thing to do is 
to come in with an open mind and i i think if you if you you need to pick somebody to produce your record that you have respect for and then the whole session's going to go a hell of a lot smoother like um you know so yeah lots of uh, a listen of advice but it was all good it was all valuable i think yeah well that's the thing there's no there's not really a single bit of advice is there like there's so many variables um but yeah i would say the key is just as i say you know a studio you want to work at and a producer that you respect and that you want to work with um and you know come in with an open mind so do, do you have a um a favorite story from the studio i don't know something that pops to mind. you go i remember the time when when this happened or this we found this really weird sound or <laughs> i've got a funny story about a, a metal band i recorded about five years ago um and the singer like when it was time to do the vocals he was like oh can i use your shower before i do my vocals so i was like yeah fine there's a shower out there and then he came back into the control room just wrapped in a towel and i was like oh, are you not going to put your clothes on he's like no i i like to record my vocals completely naked so i was like okay so i this this was before i turned this room into a vocal booth it was in the main live room so i put some screens across the glass door so nobody could see him and it was proper i mean they were really heavy he sounded quite a lot like corey taylor this vocalist he was really great at that sort of thing um but when he came into back into the control room after doing his vocal take i was like oh it smells like i can smell burning hair or something and he's like oh yeah i like to burn myself with a lighter while i'm doing my vocals so he was soaking wet completely naked and burning himself with a lighter whilst recording his vocals um but it worked <laughs> not for everybody but um it, it, we got a great vocal performance out of it i don't even know what to say to that i mean he knows he clearly knows what works for him has to get a good performance if it sounded good but how odd <laughs> yeah the, the thing is musicians are you know often absolute crackpots and yeah but he he was a great vocalist great lyric writer you know it worked for him like it doesn't really matter like the the consumer doesn't care what he's doing all they care about is that they listen to it and go wow listen to that guy's voice it doesn't matter what you've recorded on what the person's doing um but there was another quite a nice story like uh, an inspiring kind of thing with a band um this band called foria that i worked with probably a good 12 or 13 years ago and they were kind of like a radio heady sort of ambient kind of band and we had they had this particular track on their ep that was just the singer playing electric guitar and and the pianist playing a piano and we tried to record it on the grand piano that i had here and it just wasn't working like it sounded a bit crap we were doing the piano first then the guitar then the vocals so we then 
hired a ballroom at a local hotel because they said oh we've got this beautiful piano here so we went down there and i took a laptop and a few mics and a usb interface and we got there and the piano was like absolutely hideously out of tune and all clunky sounding and it was really disappointing and then a couple of days later someone responded to a facebook post and said oh my mum's got a steinway model c you can come record that so we're like great so we went over to this really big posh house nearby recorded this beautiful piano got this really really nice piano take but when we got back to the studio and listened to it we were just like it's just they were just it just wasn't sitting right like they were they were just this performance it just didn't have any magic at all so anyway we went on to do some other stuff and it was about two o'clock in the morning and the singer was outside the studio having a cigarette and then came in and everyone else was asleep apart from me i was editing or something and he was like we've got to do that song now and the pianist was like it's two o'clock in the morning like i can't be bothered and i was like i really don't want to start miking a piano up and all of that it was hot it was the middle of summer i was tired he's like no we've got to go in now and and record it but i had two room mics in the live room so i literally just slung one in the direction of the piano and one in the direction of the singer and he had a little guitar combo on the floor which we just didn't even bother miking i said oh let's just we'll do a run through we'll see if it's going to work and then i'll sort of mic everything properly so they just recorded it live and everyone in the control room was like oh my god that was it like it was absolutely amazing and it was just two room mics two o'clock in the morning and you can it's almost like you can hear it was recorded at two o'clock in the morning like as funny as that sounds it's just got this and just the balance of his vocal with the guitar amp in the background just kind of worked um and it's one of my favorite things to listen to even now like 13 years later um and yeah it was just one of those really cool really magical moments in the studio um but you know those are the things that make a record as well those little things um you know another reason to come to a studio because you get to do stuff like that at 2 a.m at 2 a.m yeah so my, my other uh million dollar question um is when is a song finished <laughs> during the recording phase never <laughs> it's never fit i mean yeah like when everyone's listening to it and it's making them feel the way they intended it to make people feel it's finished so if people are listening to it and they're just like oh the, the chorus just it still isn't going anywhere you know it's not finished but yeah it's you know no no one person can decide when it's finished really like um you know i mean you've got to certainly try and rein bands in because it's easy because they can record as many tracks as they want it's easy to just pile stuff on but i think yeah i think when it's when it's making people feel the way it was intended to make people feel then it's done 
There you are. Pe- people, people listening, take note. That is when it's done. <laughs> and not before. Um, so my final question, I think this might be the hardest question of all for you to answer, but it might not be. Of all the music that you've produced, what are you most proud of? Which song or album or whatever it may be? There's a, there's a few. Um, I'm actually really proud of um, a band I work with called Rapturous, who had had some sort of bad experiences with recordings before. And, you know, that they've got a certain thing about them where they blend this, you know, they blend a kind of oasis-y, indie, kind of Brit-rocky sort of vibe with urban music and almost a dancey, euphoric kind of thing that nobody had ever captured um, before. And um, the stuff I've done with them, I kind of feel has ticked off everything about that band that that people like. Um, One of their songs is on my website. It's called Lion's Den. Um, so that I'm I'm really proud of because you know they were when we did it just like bouncing off the walls in here and um as I say they were looking for for somebody that could encapsulate all of those elements and and make them work because they're all quite different um so yeah there's that in fact my band Salvation Jane our album um a mouthful of magnificent spite i'm really proud of especially the opening track apathetic apologies um that was something that i had a very very specific idea as to how i wanted it to come across you know before we ever recorded it and it's nice to actually hear that that has has come to fruition and probably the stuff i'm doing with ruse at the moment as well um because again, I'd kind of like I'd been friends with Shauna for a while, and uh, kind of never really felt like the recordings um, felt like the same band that I'd seen live. Um, and then she came to me about a year ago. We did two singles, which were released this year: um, "Breathe Into Me" and "Pretty Face." Um, and there's an and then we did the rest of the album in August a couple just gone um, and there's a new single coming out from that in a couple of weeks and I'm, I think that's the one I'm most proud of out of the stuff we've done yeah yeah but there's you know there's been so many like I, I've been recording other people's music for nearly 20 years now so I'm sure there's stuff I've forgotten about as well but there you are that's a good uh a good a good selection for people to listen to um as they go i'll try um i'll I'll try and work out how to do it but i'll put some links in the show notes possibly to spotify and anyone listening can just click down there and go straight to it as they are simple but listen to the end of this episode first (laughs) cool um well that's all my that's all my questions we've got through them all huzzah um thanks thanks for talking no thanks for having me wasn't that a really really great interview full of insights full of takeaways i've got to say um if you are wondering i have put links to the songs discussed in the last question in the show notes below so if you can click there you can find links to spotify within so that is it for another episode of the music survival guide if you enjoyed it please leave a review wherever 
wherever you listen to the podcast. It's really valuable, really helps more and more people discover it, discover what's going on here. Please also share with any friends and bandmates you thought was useful. If there's interesting tips and insights you have about pre-production or producing in general, going to the studio, things like that. Finally, I really appreciate every single one of you. So if you're interested, we have a community on Facebook called the Music Survival Guide Community. Hop over there for chats about music and band life with other musicians and industry people. And I will see you next time.